Hubhopper Originals. Hello and welcome back to Heart on My Sleeve. This is Mancha Kaur and you're listening to me on Hubhopper. Today we have the very charming, very honest and very inspiring Samaya Dalmia on the show. Samaya is one of the leading fitness and wellness professionals in the country. Voted top 5 by Women's Health magazine. She's a celebrity trainer who's trained models at Elite Model Academy. She's hosted health and fitness programs on television for NDTV, Star Plus, CNN, IBN, ZTV, including a daily show on ZTV that has over 140 episodes. She's also regularly written a column for Mint called The Fitness Trail. She runs a brand called Samaya after her name. They're known for their personal training. She currently operates six luxury properties in Delhi and NCR including the one at Lodi Hotel, Ananda Park, the Coram Club, DLF Kings Court. Yeah, so Samaya knows what she's talking about. She's been in this industry since 1997, way before knowledge around this even existed. So rest assured, today's episode is going to be a really, really informative one. She talks about parenting. She talks about reworking your equation with food. What are the things that she doesn't eat? There are lots of actionable tips and tricks and lots of advice. on how to get motivated to exercise how to make it sustainable so i'm not going to waste any time here's samaya hi samaya how are you hey hi how are you i hope you're well by the way i'm good <laughs> i'm good. still tired of being at home while we start getting out a little bit with your mask on well well my husband actually he a couple of weeks ago was like i can't do this right Every weekend we try to go on a trek uh, nearby. Oh wow. And he's found some amazing place. One of them, the one that we went to recently was just 20 minutes away and it's literally in the heart of South Delhi. Want you to to share these details with me? I, I will. This exists in Delhi to trek. Oh, that that beautiful and it's just amazing. You sort of keep hiking up these trails or like scaling down rocks and then you reach these gorgeous lakes i put all of these up on my instagram i'm going to share and definitely please share them so that we can all tell me who these places exist yeah exactly and i was such a sort of grumpy goose about it and i was like i don't want to go what are these places what's going on but he was like trust me you know delhi's beautiful <laughs> what about you what have you been up to Uh I think nothing really I'm spending more and more time with my kids you know being a working mom I had a routine they had a routine so we only got like limited hours we spent together of course the weekends were wholly dedicated to them but during yeah. the so, past so many years we all have a routine in our house you know so it's actually been interesting to spend so much time with my kids that's been my biggest learning you know and um, and, and my girls are 13 and 8 so the teenage years of growing up are coming back and just being around them 24/7 is uh, amazing but i it's challenging as well <laughs> so it's literally just learning how to be a full-time mom really yeah 
what I want to know is how do you like what is your definition of a healthy body? Uh, you know, I think women, especially women, get so caught up in how they look in the mirror that for them, for most women, and I'm sure it's changing now, but in the past, for most women, it's been how they look in the mirror, you know. So you would have also noticed people who are slightly leaner will like be say like, oh, why do I need to exercise? I'm already lean, right? Yeah. Or people who are slightly overweight or see themselves a certain way in the mirror, they are more motivated to exercise than the ones who are leaner. But for me, and I think now with the current education in terms of preventive health and how important it is to just move, fitness really is, of course, you need to be closer to your healthy weight range. Mm. Um, but it's really more about how energetic you are. Can you still play with your kids? Can you uh, do all your function movements? Do you have any restrictions? You know, can you squat? Can you lunge? Can you, you don't necessarily have to do a 10K, but just can you do everyday things? Can you... Push a sofa in your house without a staff. Can you pick your luggage off the conveyor belt without feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to hurt my back. So for me, fitness is really that. And of course, how you feel. You know, for, like for me, exercise has now really become about how I feel. It just makes me so exhilarated. It makes me feel, makes me a better mom. It gives me so much more clarity in terms of whatever my thoughts are. Uh, I've got my best ideas in terms of work on a treadmill. So it's just, it, it's more than just how I look. And I think for most people now, it really is more than just how they look. It's about how they feel after they've spent that time on themselves. You know, they eat better. When everybody, you know, when you know you're spending time on yourself, you start becoming conscious of how you're eating, whether you're clean eating. So it's like a very well-rounded version of you. You know, a more healthier, active, calmer version of you. So for me, exercise and fitness is like meditation. Hmm. And I think, yeah, there is that sort of shift that has begun. But I think we're still a way away from, you know, a point where we truly believe it. Because right now, we cure it. And yeah. we're like, yeah, that is true. Like, I'm, I'm even talking from my own personal example. Right. I'm just like, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And, you know, like it all makes sense. And, you know, when you see somebody who's strong and who has more energy and life force versus somebody who is skinny without those things, there is that admiration. But I think because we've been brought up looking at the sort of examples that we have and, you know, whether it's media, whether it's, the people around us and what you know they've said or not said how have you seen like you're among two girls one's 13 years old do you think that as far as body image is concerned there's that positive influence that's coming into their lives or do you think that because of platforms like instagram and tiktok where there's so many filters and you know further sort of focus on one's beauty and how Instagrammable somebody's life or looks are. How is that in your opinion as a mom when you look at your girls? How do you think that it's influenced them and is it better or worse than our time? So I'll rewind a little bit to share my experience as a child and then related to them. So I was, believe it or not, I was a overweight child and then 
I worked at it to lose weight. And that's literally how I got into sports. So for me, in my six, seventh, eight, I think seventh is when I decided that I wanted to lose weight. And uh, that's how I started like running and auditions, getting to trials for school teams, because I just thought that was the way to exercise and to lose weight. But I wish someone at that point had taught me what the correct way of losing weight was. So the initial round of me losing weight really translated into me over-exercising, like killing it in any team trial and not eating. And, you know, we were very young. My mom was also like, like she would see if I wasn't eating or I would eat like salad all day. And, you know, all the bread without butter, anything like, you know, all the non-fattening things, which now, I mean, there's such a big education shift. But I wish there was someone there to educate me of how to do it correctly. So when I had now fast forwarding to when I became a mom, I always decided that because I was in a particular profession, I would never bring work back home because I didn't know what the genetics of my girls would be and how they would be. Would, be they, would they be tall? Would they be lean? Would, you know, whatever it was. And I did that for a couple of years. But it's strange that even though I kept that outside of my house, that there was a certain you know, way that I would look because I trained a certain way and I was a little more active than the other moms and, you know, I would do a certain thing. But social media definitely started them early on in terms of their idea of what beauty or an ideal body was. Mm-hmm. So typically, like my eight-year-old already knows who's pretty and who's not. And you and I both know that when we were young, we didn't even know what pretty meant. Right. We only realized that when we were much older, my 13 year old is not an exerciser at all. She loves food. She's not overweight, but she's not extremely lean either. She's the normal child. But now she's putting a lot of pressure on herself because 13 is that age where everyone's TikToking, Instagramming. And, you know, she has a mom who's on Instagram uh, she and I share the same clothes and I do see sometimes she getting distressed about it and it's and I keep trying to educate her about it that it's really about the reason why your mother or even somebody else looks a certain way because everybody puts in a, some amount of hard work and the whole education here lies in comes from a place of that listen you need to eat well which means this is an age where you will get your period you need to get off sugar you need to be aware of what you eat And go, even if you don't like playing sports, just wear your music and go spend half an hour with yourself and just go for a walk, you know, just the education. Because I want to move her away from, like a 13-year-old already knows what is Botox, what is filler and what is surgery. Which is, did you and I ever know that? We didn't. So it's so sensitive in my house to be able to communicate thin versus fit. You know? Like my child would come to me and I'm sure all moms who work out or who are on some kind of eating plan and all, I'm sure they've had these comments from especially their girls, you know, boys, I don't know whether they notice, but like I've had my daughter who loves food sit across the table and say, oh, mom, you eat like a rabbit. And it's not that I'm eating like a rabbit. It's literally just because I have more greens on my plate and I am a more conscious eater than her. But look at how she's perceiving it, you know. And it's so sensitive to deal with this topic with teenage girls to make sure that they don't, while we are more aware as parents of what is the right and the wrong thing to do, if we have children who are either overweight or inactive or they're all constantly in front of their screens. But at the same time, we have to do it so sensitively 
that they don't get any body image disorders or their idea of beauty is so defined by Instagram and uh, the filters on Instagram yeah. that you've got to literally protect them while you're trying to say, okay, you may need to lose a little bit of weight, but I can't say that at home, you know? Yeah. yeah. I can't use the word you need to lose weight. Not at all. Because it will just be taken very differently. She might just come and say, why are you body shaming me? Your kids are very smart. <laughs> So it's, it's a she's lucky that she has a mom like me or even other moms who are, you know, who've done it to themselves and they eat well to guide them, which I didn't have when I was trying to lose weight. But at the same time, we're also struggling with what is their definition of ideal beauty and uh, what they should eat or not eat or whether, oh, I can grow up and I can just get my fat sucked out. You know, kids are talking like that and it's, it's sad, but it's true. Wow. I mean, this is a really interesting point, like especially the fact that, you know, when your parents are on Instagram as well, and so are you and your parent happens to be somebody who's fit and looks a certain way, like according to you, because this is going to obviously be the case. It's not going to become less of a thing. It's just going to become more of a thing. Are there any things that you do as far as your Instagram is concerned, keeping her in mind? What an amazing question, by the way, because I do, I wouldn't think anybody would ask me that. So uh, my daughter wanted to get onto Instagram at 12 and then we had a fact that when she turned 13, she would be allowed. And, and the only reason she'd be allowed it is I followed her. And because I follow her, she follows me, right? It's no longer, she, everything is open. And uh, so first thing was to get past, and you know, 13 year olds are right now, Teenagers are like what we were when we were 20. That's generation catch up because she and I share the same playlist. Like sometimes I borrow her playlist to work out. We know the same. The world has become so much smaller as far as information is concerned, right? Because she's also listening to the same music. She's listening to the same news. She's probably following a few accounts that I follow. It's just a more, it's a more closer packed world than we had with our parents. You know, we share a lot more common interests with our kids than our parents did with us. Yeah. So the first thing that happened was that, you know, because I have an open Instagram account, I remember there was this one post which I had put up and there would be some random people commenting on it and she got really, really stressed out. And she came and I didn't even know she was aware of these things. And she said, you know, I need you to close your account. And I said, why? And she's like, you know, people are commenting like some random comments on your comments and it's not cool. And I'm getting really agitated and I don't think it's cool. And how can you be lying down and taking this crap? So I said, okay. And I said, you know, I will delete them and block them. And she wrote to Instagram. So that really gave me a cue that she does get upset if someone writes a certain way about me. And as someone who has an open account, I was ready for that. And I was like, that's, what I do and that's what I, you know, everything's not positive on Instagram or social media. And then I try to explain to her, you know, it's just because certain people just have nothing better to do and that's why they are more derogatory in what they write. So that was one. I made an, you know, I make an effort that every time I post something, I'm looking at my post and if there's something that comes up, I block it before she sees it. Mm-hmm. Secondly, any information that I'm putting out there for Instagram, for my audience, is definitely keeping my girls in mind. Like I don't ever want to put out something which is unattainable, something which is not natural, something which is, that's a lie. Like I don't want my kids to think that I lie on Instagram. 
Yeah. That, and that's the biggest thing, you know. Yeah. So like because they're so much a part of my shooting and they'll come and shoot with me. I never want to like alter my images or anything because my older one will catch on in a second. She said, why, why would you Photoshop that? Like, did you beauty plus this? Like, why would you do that? Why do you need to do that? So that was one conscious thing that I did that I never lied on Instagram because my girls would catch it. So it was more for them than anybody in the audience, you know. They're very deep-rooted thoughts, right? It was like, it only came to me because I saw she was so closely watching me. And I have a very, my older one is very opinionated, you know, as a 13 year old. So I have to be very careful around her. Yeah. So I, that it came from there that I knew she was, she watches my account every day. Like she actually comes and tells me the activity of my account. <laughs> She's more tech savvy than I am. She'll say, oh, by the way, this post didn't do well. Maybe you want to change the narrative about your post. Or why did you do it in this angle? So she's the one who gives me that little yarn at the back. Yeah. It's so interesting because like you said, the world has become smaller and because it has, I think there's almost this gray area right now which will probably just merge eventually where, you know, the age lines are kind of blurring. They're already blurring. Like I'll tell you, in fact, last night I had this conversation with her. She walked into my room and she said, can you please tell me what does Kim Kardashian do? <laughs> what is, like, why she who she is? And I said, oh, you know, she's so smart. She's like, no, but she's not. Like, she's just, she's all plastic and she's just selling plastic and then she's making money of it. And then I was thinking, okay, how am I answering that question, you know? So I said two things. I said, listen, look at how smart she is that she was able to monetize this entire family empire that they have about uh, who they are, how their mom was. And it's a lot of hard work, you know, see how much hard work I do for my little 10k followers and look at how much hard work they must be doing too for there so it's not easy and secondly because I follow Kim Kardashian I knew this so I said by the way she's not all plastic she wakes up at 5am in the morning because I follow her and her trainer and she works at it so even if you say that she did have plastic surgery she still has to work and eat well and eat and work you know and work out it doesn't come naturally so we had this argument about how when you have plastic surgery like when you have liposuction things whether they come so you understand it's such a, and I'm having this conversation with a 13 year old. I have to be so careful that I cannot tell her that plastic surgery is an easy way out. Or I can't tell her that people don't work hard because they do. And I have to tell her that people need to exercise and eat right. And that really is all there is. This is the time to be very conscious parents. You have to know that you can't just snub them, you have to give them and you have to really be patient and articulate your thoughts and your views because they are going to be forming opinions on all the information that they're going to collect and gather. Mm. Yeah. At a time like this, what do you think like we as a society should be doing to ensure that we not only raise kids, girls who are confident and comfortable in their own skin, but at the same time, you can't control how exposed they are to certain things. You know, I remember when I was a kid, like my parents still had certain amount of control over what I was reading, seeing, whatever. But I think it's because if they're not doing it at home, maybe a classmate of theirs will have a phone and they'll be there. So what do you think we as a society can do to make sure that the generations that are growing up that are going to be a part of all of this are much more comfortable are much more 
stable, happy because with all of these extremes, there's also a lot of underlying mental health issues that are coming to the fore. So again, I'm going to take a cue from my own upbringing as a child. I was, uh, my parents got divorced very early on and that was like so many years ago. So it was so unheard of. So there was so much stress that we went through as kids because it was an, unple- it was an unpleasant divorce. And my mom then became the sole driver of me and my sister. And because she was really protecting us, she also became overtly like a crazy disciplinarian, right? We were not allowed to have boyfriends. If she ever found out we had a boyfriend, she'd be standing outside school. You get too many strict rules. And really what came out of that was that by the end of it, because they were her rules were so unnatural that... My sister still went on consciously, but I lied my way through my 11th and 12th, like literally. You know, I did everything under the sun. She had no idea what I was doing. And I'm being really honest. And, you know, the stricter she got, the more defiant I got. And, uh, you know, the more I ran around her and uh, lied to her. and, And then when I became a mom, this was the first thing that I said to myself that, you know what? I don't want, of course, I, I want my kids to be fearful of me out of respect, not out of me being an extreme disciplinarian or me raising my hand on my children. And I want to know everything that's going on in their lives because if I did what I did at 17, that even if I did a generation gap, then I have to be really honest that my 11-year-old, 12-year-old will be equipped and mentally uh, be thinking about the same things. And... And I said, I'd only be fooling myself if I thought that she didn't know these things. So one is that I think that parenting is no longer how our parents brought us up. That I'm your mother, so shut up and sit down. It doesn't work like that. You know, you want your children to flourish in their own being. And you want to equip them with tools to help them make the right decisions in their lives. They're going to be exposed to so much, Mm. you know, and I'm going to be open on this podcast. A 12 year old already knows what is sex, what is a condom. And we don't even know that they know that. We just find out along the way, but they already know all of this way before we get to know that they know. So that's the first learning. And to make sure that certain things are openly spoken about at home, So that they get comfortable with the topic. So for example, when you're trying to educate your kids about good touch, bad touch, you need to have a certain conversation with your girls, right? And with girls, it's more important. I can't have that conversation being awkward. You know, I have to have that conversation with her being very frank and telling her, well, this is what happens and this is what happens and you need to be careful. And if someone touches you like this, so it's a very frank and not an awkward conversation. She can't sense awkwardness in my tone. Second, She needs to be very clear that if she has a boyfriend or something, I'm okay with it. Because you know what? I I had a boyfriend when I was in school. So as long as she doesn't have a boyfriend at eight, she has a boyfriend when she's well, I'm absolutely fine with it. Because I wanted to come and tell me that, hey, mom, you know, I have a boyfriend. And then we can talk about things. Or for example, my parents were never affectionate with each other when they were uh, happily married. Like they never hugged and kissed. And it was never a thing. But me and my husband are very affectionate in front of our kids. You know, we kiss each other and... We'll hug each other and my older one will now start commenting saying, oh my, come on guys, you need to get a room, you know. But at least there's that very healthy banter in my house 
which by the way has translated into a lot of my children, especially my older one, my younger one is too little, confiding in me. When I see all her other friends do not confide in their parents. But my older one will call me and tell me, oh, you know, this one had a boyfriend and you know, mama, I like this one and but I don't really like him, but you know, it's okay, but I don't want to have a boyfriend till I'm 18. But she's, she has that ability to have that conversation with me. And I think that is really the beauty of being this kind of a parent. So that tomorrow when I have to say Amara, I don't think that he's the right boy for you for these, these reasons. At least she listened to me because yeah. it's not like I'm against a boyfriend. I'm just against the kind of person that this person is. And he does not have the right influence on her, you know? So I think as parents, we need to get a little more educated in terms of how we want our parenting to be. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a great answer. I think the last 20 minutes of this conversation, it's been really enlightening. And I think these are such important things that are not really spoken about and not only so. Also, what I want to know is that when you first, since you are, you know, like somebody who is an expert in health, fitness, and all of those things. So how did your body change? And I'm digressing completely. I'm shifting the topic. But <laughs> how did your body change, you know, when you became a mother? And what were your challenges, your initial challenges, like in the earlier years of being a mother? So I've actually, a lot of who I am today and a lot of the information that I put out to our clients and to the information on Instagram is literally coming of my own journey of A, studying this subject and B, actually experiencing it in so many phases of my own life. So from being a fat child to losing weight, and then being an athlete and then all of a sudden being perceived differently because I lost weight and I blossomed and, you know, all the boys gave me so much attention, which they didn't give me earlier to then becoming super fit and going exercising two hours a day, six days a week. Uh, and then becoming a mom, body changing, exercising through my pregnancy. I think the first challenge of becoming a mom was really to understand that life had now been divided that I didn't have all the time to myself, right? So if I couldn't work out two hours, it didn't, I used to, I came from a school that if I didn't work out an hour and a half, then I'd rather not go and work out, you know? And slowly, slowly that changed because it became that even if I get 20 minutes, it's fine, you know, because I couldn't get so much time in the gym and because I had started a business. So I had to really make a choice of, I was a parent to two new things, A, my baby and B, a new business, right? which were both full-time. And in all of this, I wanted to lose weight. Uh, my pregnancy, we didn't, and I wanted to lose, get back to my old way of training. So I think one was the mental struggle of figuring out the right balance. B, the struggle of, I won't really call it a struggle, but the journey of really educatively in this field, lose weight and get the strength back without getting injured after my pregnancy. And applying all that I had studied to myself so I could actually then finally give the same help to other people. And then slowly by the time I had a second child, really it became about, it was not me more than it was what I was getting from outside of what people were like, wow, you're so fit, you have two kids. And now everyone's fit and has two kids. Now everyone who's pregnant working out is normal, right? Now everyone who's had a baby getting back into shape is almost normal. They might take their own time, but that awareness is there. So I think it was really more that uh, 
journey of like, oh, wow, you've lost weight. Oh, wow, you're doing so well. Oh my God, you, you, you look so fit and your kids are so, you know, this. But by the end of it, it really became about how energetic I was around my kids and it no longer became about the body because I left that the first time I got pregnant. That I got so engrossed in bringing my strength back that it no longer became how I looked in the mirror. And even now as a woman, I keep telling everyone that I'm a trainer by profession and this is what I do. And yeah, certain days on Instagram, I will look bloated and I'm okay to open that comment. And because I also get PMS and I also eat shit sometimes and I also get bloated sometimes. I'm not supposed to be perfect, you know. And the fact that, listen, this one hour number of, oh, you need to exercise one hour a day is only a number that we've come up with. You don't. Scientifically, even if you exercise 20 to 30 minutes consistently on an average of four to five days a week with clean eating, you will still get the same benefits. So who is saying that you need to exercise for one hour? Yeah. So it's really just that shift that it's no longer about how much I weigh. It's, it's more about how healthy I look. It's more about am I still able to run around my kids? It's more about can I train without getting injured? So I think the shift has definitely happened for me in terms of just how I look. And I, I hope it happens for women as well. You know, you can sort of see that you're radiating right now. You're glowing. So being a working mom, how do you, how do you balance both of these aspects and then also make time for yourself? I think just by being a little... I think working moms are bitten by the timetables that they set. At least me. And I, I, I stick by the timetable so much because I know if I don't stick by this timetable, then I'm never going to be able to make time for anything. Yeah. So you need to be a little organized in terms of, you know, to make sure that you're not A, doing wasteful time spent. So I won't go into meetings and just like waste my time and just do coffees because I need to also want to come home and I want to train. I also, contrary to what people think, I only train 40 to 45 minutes, four days a week or one hour on a good day, five days a week. It totally depends. And there are days when I can go for two days without training, you know, because kids can fall sick, you get thrown off your routine, there's some emergency at work and there's so much going on. So I think you just have to be very organized and I don't think me being a working parent because I'm a product of a working parent. I think my kids actually really enjoy the fact that I'm working and they feel proud to say, oh, my mom got this award. Oh, my mom is on Instagram. Or like when I spend time with them, they value my time, I think. Uh, When I spend time with them on the weekends and take them out to say maybe um, Lodi Garden or whatever, they, they value the time that we get together. So it's no longer frivolous spending of time. Like I've seen parents who are just hanging around the house, but they're all doing their own stuff. Like even me right now. It's not like just because I'm home, I'm 24-7 sitting with them. I'm not. I'm actually spending the same amount of time that I do spend with them quality-wise when I'm working. Because I'm doing other things, even right now, you know. I think it's just a thing. People think that working moms struggle to spend time with their kids. They don't. They really don't. In fact, if anything, they are more organized with their time. They, 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 They end up doing a lot more things with their kids. Because we don't take spending time with our kids for granted, you know. It's... It's a special time that we, I make sure when I'm with my kids, I don't look at Instagram because I'm trying to tell my kids to get off the phone. So I've also heard from them, but then you need to get off the phone. So, you know, certain things like it's, I don't, we we, we flip our phones over when we're spending time together or if we go for dinner, they're not allowed to be on the phone. Neither am I. 
you know those things and, and they're working out well you know because each one of us gets space and uh, everybody's growing and we come back and reconvene and recollect and of course if there's an emergency work is second babies are first yeah so we're gonna come back to health and fitness right now like we were talking about the internet and um, how easy it is to access any kind of information similarly it's also like as far as tips on what to eat, what type of food to have, what not to have, what exercises to do, what not to do. I mean, there is so much information. It's an ocean of information and a lot of it is contradictory. And we're all so aware of everything that exists out there. But when it actually comes down to the implementation, like you said, everyone may want to achieve the same goals but what works for me may not work for you and you know any other person as well so how do you navigate through this ocean of information and how do you make sure that because a lot of us when something new comes out you jump on to that bandwagon and eventually it's not sustainable could be detrimental towards well long-lasting health and fitness your long-lasting health and fitness so how do you navigate through all of this and how do you ensure that the main goal, which is long lasting health and fitness is something that stays and is achieved? You know, I think the easiest way I can say this is when I started my career, people didn't know a good treadmill from a bad treadmill. They, we, we were, I was educating people along the way so that I could make way for my business to grow. And now it's become the reverse. People come to me with so much knowledge and they're like, this is, but shouldn't I be doing this? But shouldn't I be doing that? Shouldn't my program be this? You know? So it's literally become more about me filtering the knowledge for them as opposed to educating them. Hmm. So what I have definitely learned is A, if you're really serious about taking control of your health and your lifestyle, in your 20s, it's great because you know, body is more resilient. If you do get injured, you will bounce back sooner. It's easier to lose weight. It's, you, get, you can get away with a couple of more days of cheating. So the 20s kind of just fly by you kind of finding your new uh, you and, you know, your utmost, you're in the peak of your health and you're being cross, being a teenager, you're, you know, all your hormones have settled. But I think it's the, the childbearing time and the 30 plus for everyone, man or woman, is when you kind of wake up and say, okay, now I need to figure out what is it that works for me because I need help. So I think one thing is that if you're in your 30s, definitely for the first time, go, even if it's for a short period, go hire yourself a personal trainer who can just guide you in terms of what is the right exercises for you to do. So even if you want to do them on your own, you can. And B is to just get a one-time nutrition consult, not a dietitian. A nutrition consult to say, this is who I am. This is my blood work. This is what I suffer with. This is my PCOS. Uh, I have a family history of XYZ. What do you think? And I might be slightly overweight. What do you think is the ideal way for me to eat? Right? Should I be gluten-free, dairy-free, ketogenic, paleo, South Beach diet, no-carb, low-carb, high-fat? You know, there's just so much. And if you really start thinking, there's nothing left to eat. Is fruit good? If you ask a ketogenic person on a diet, they'll never touch fruit. But as someone who is on a low-carb diet, they live on fruit. So you need to figure out who is for what. 
number one. Number two, the only thing I can tell you is in terms of science, what is definitely here to stay is A, learn to exercise articulately and safely with correct alignment so that you don't injure yourself. Your core and your glutes are of utmost importance. Rest will follow. So you need to deeper, and this goes beyond looks. You know, this is that when you want to train a certain way, you don't get injured. You want to be flexible. So you want to make sure you're stretching. So it needs to be a very well-rounded program. B, in terms of your nutrition, you need to make sure that your insulin levels are stable. So you're not eating too much sugar. You're not eating too much fruit. You're not eating too much meda because gut health is important because these are all here to stay. Any kind of gut inflammation will cause you to slow down, will call, cause other inflammation in your body. Too much high sugar in your diet will cause your insulin levels to spike, which in turn will lead you to gain weight in certain areas or you know, exasperate your PCOS. Or for men, it might cause them a few, little bit of hormonal shift. So before you embark upon any kind of nutrition program or exercise program, if you can get one, at least one personal consult so that you can be guided. And then secondly, just be aware of what works for you doesn't work for me. Uh, too much sugar is bad. That's a given. Uh, eating too much out of a packet is bad. That's a given. Uh, don't eat too much fruit. Don't have fruit juices because that's a sugar bomb. You know, eat the whole fruit if you have to. Uh, don't eat too many healthy potions like aloe vera gel, ACV water, jire ka pani, ajman ka pani, all in one go, give at least two portions of six or eight week trial time and know why you are having that one particular magic portion. They all work, but you need to know why you are having that. And by the end of it, it's typically as simple as you eat clean and you exercise four hours a week. There is no way you will not lose weight or there is no way your PCOS won't settle or there is no way your gut won't settle. It's really about how consistent you are. Yeah. Given all of this, are there any types of foods or food groups that you try to avoid? And are there any food rules that you set for yourself that, again, to the best of your ability, you try to follow? So, like I said before, you know, it's all about gut health, uh, trying to eat less processed food, less sugars, balancing your hormones. So, I got a little bit of PCOS after my second child. So I had like, strangely, I had no acne as a child, but in my growing up post 38, at 38, I got PCOS. And, you know, I was like, how can a 38 year old get PCOS, you know? And for me, that was the first time when I said that I'm going to actually apply and practice what I preach and, you know, try and see if leaving gluten helps and leaving dairy helps. And, and I really feel that gluten and dairy are really big, food groups that cause inflammation in the body that really spike your insulin levels, which create a lot of other issues within the body. So it could be hormonal, it could be PCOS, it could be acne, it could be an, you know, exaggerating an autoimmune disorder. So I think these are the two things I definitely stay away from. Dairy, I still, you know, I'll have a little bit of cheese here. And giving up these two things have really changed who I am. You know, as a person, I'm more energetic and my skin is definitely cleared up. I, I feel better, less bloated, etc., etc. So gluten, dairy and packaged foods are the three things that I definitely 99% of the times avoid. And I think they are really game changers for me. So when you say dairy, do you mean 
all sorts of things dahi paneer ghee as well so ghee is not really uh, you know ghee and dahi are the only two things that i consume but not paneer and not milk so i know a lot of people are very hardcore non dairy people who have lactose intolerance but i don't have lactose intolerance but i have lactose sensitivity i think and uh, gluten sensitivity they do both these things don't do well for me and then they have really worked genetically they work for 90% of the people and you can try it on yourself so if you feel a little bloated if you feel like, you know if you're pmsing just give up gluten dairy and processed food you see how light you feel and it's not really about how light you feel your digestion is better uh, your overall energy is better so genetically these three things gluten dairy and sugar which in the form of and any processed foods even if you just leave these three you are anyway clean eating you will get closer to your goal you will see a lot of muscle definition if you're training because a lot of times i see people training and girls training and boys training and they're like oh you know why am i not seeing muscle definition that's primarily because there is some kind of inflammation in the body or the body is holding a lot of water because you're eating a lot more salt you know then required in processed food and that's why your muscles don't show their definition and you don't need to exercise more you actually just need to eat better yeah what oil do you use then to cook so i use because i do we do indian cooking so between ghee sarso ka tel and avocado oil we oscillate between these three oils you know depending on what we cook with between olive oil and avocado oil i would encourage people to use avocado oil because it has a high heating point and that's what we need for indian cooking Mm-hmm. so uh, you can try avocado oil i've just switched to it it's really working well i tend to eat a lot of good fats in my diet and that and i would recommend all women to make sure they eat fat you know ghee avocado chia seeds nuts and by nuts i don't mean char badam and if you're allergic to nuts i mean like a good 10 12 badams a day you know you yeah. can eat them soaked you can eat them um, raw it doesn't matter so if if you're not allergic to nuts then you must up your nut intake you want to make sure you're eating your healthy fats you want to make and that's all skin and hair food in your opinion do all workouts work out for everyone and how do you decide what form of exercise to undertake so i think first thing is that if you are someone who wants to join you know start and embark upon an exercise program you definitely need to find something that you enjoy and that could be going to the gym that could be swimming that could be you know running whatever it is second is that you might need a little bit of guidance initially and you might want to try everything before you decide what you want to choose and thirdly no there is no one size fits all in terms of what works for you might not work for me because your goals and my goals might be different now i know i'm going to get a lot of flack for saying this also that you know when people girls say that oh i'm feeling bulky because i'm weight training oh my god i'm feeling bigger when i weight train and the exercise fraternity this is them by saying no we don't have enough testosterone as men and that's not possible and it's so good to have muscles while that is true i'm also being honest again and i know i'm going to get flack for this is that when you do train a certain way your body shape does tend to change mm-hmm. so for example if you see dipika padukone versus versus vipasha basu or john abraham versus salman khan they all of them are fit but their body types are very different right 
and that's a lot to do with who they are genetically and a lot of the reflection of how they train so if you're someone who likes a longer leaner body then yeah i would train you slightly differently you will still weight train but you won't do weight training where it's two body parts a day you know in some part that you won't be training extremely heavy you know if you're injured and you come to the gym yes i would still make sure you weight train but again i would make sure i work around your injuries if you are someone who's uh wants leaner legs you know and are tend to be more muscular or have more fast twitch fibers i might say oh yeah actually you know what uh i will do make you do a lot of free weights a lot of uh squats and lunges but i won't make you lift that heavy so it totally depends as a runner i won't be talking about anything to do with aesthetics you know i will be like listen if you want to run a marathon you need to train your glutes you need to train your legs it doesn't at that point you're not looking you're not training for how you look yeah so a lot of it totally depends on who you are but for general fitness for someone who's trying to lose weight and generally being active it's nice to cross train you know uh work with a trainer sometimes um uh stay within the endurance level of lifting where it's 15 to 20 reps sometimes he'll shift you to 6 to 8 reps sometimes run run sometimes don't make sure you cross train you know but again the only thing i i want to say at this point because of the whole pandemic everyone's gone into a lot of online training and has started following a lot of apps i just feel that all the insta pretty workouts they need to have a certain level and foundation of fitness so for example if you are going to do a 100 burpee challenge you need to make sure that you have a strong core to begin with you need to make sure that you can hold a plank for a minute and a half longer if you break down the burpees it requires your hamstrings to be flexible it requires you to in a landing position go into a plank it requires you to be able to do a push up to push yourself back and prevent your back from dipping so if you're going to do a 100 burpees challenge you want to definitely first make sure that you have the foundations of doing it and on the other side i want to say is that it doesn't have to be insta pretty to be effective it does not even a simple workout which involves squats lunges clamshells basic lifting or layered better with a few jumping jacks or jogging on the spot thrown in you got yourself a really good functional training workout it doesn't have to be crazy to be effective and i and that's the new thing that i've seen that i've started seeing people really injuring themselves you know and they don't realize that once you're injured it's forget the fact that you are not going to be able to train for a while it's the whole mental downer that you go through because some for someone who lo- loves to train if i am told by a sports physio that i can't train for the next 3 weeks so you really need to be very careful with your body you know exercising is a science it truly is and you need to if you want to be in this in the long run and you want to have a longer shelf life in terms of health and fitness then you yes need to be really careful of how you train and you need to train with the correct posture and with good uh, exercise articulation and then once you're strong you can keep doing some crazy things like a 100 burpees challenge but don't just do it because somebody else is doing it yeah yeah the other thing is that when it comes to working out or exercise motivation is big Uh, I mean, even for somebody like me, like I'm one of those people who will, you know, I I love working out, but with any one workout, my attention span is only three weeks to five weeks, and then I want to change it up, right? So, um, motivation is a big 
deterrent for most people to actually have a more sustainable level of fitness. So how do you keep yours intact or what do you tell your clients that keeps them going? So firstly, taking a cue from you saying that I'm getting get really bored of a particular program and I want to keep switching. So that's your first cue to the general audience is that make sure you add variety to your routines. One day go for a run, one day work out with an app, one day do a bit of weight training, two sessions a week. If you do decide to go back to the gym or online training, you can do personal training. You know, so mix it up. The moment you mix it up, you will never get bored. You know, you can do once. And that's, and the best way to be generally fit, like genetic fitness is to cross train. Even if you're not a runner, you can do a walk-in run or you can go for a walk. Like walking is such an underrated exercise. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so low impact. It's so amazing. You, you know, you, you get so much time to yourself. Just put on some headphones, go out and go for a brisk walk, you know. But typically, the motivation comes from the post-workout feeling. You have to get addicted to how you feel post-working out. And you have to get addicted to how you feel generally in your life. So there's so many days that I don't feel like working out. Like I'm not a motivated person. I, but I just, I know that once I finish, I'm just going to feel like amazing. And I've seen it with myself. You know, I could be having a bad day or I've had a fight with my husband or, I've, you know, something. I've just gone and done a workout. There's so much clarity in your thought. I don't know what it is. Of course, the scientific part is there. You know, the serotonin, happy endorphins, all of that. But it does really make you feel empowered that you've done something for yourself. And that is truly the feeling, uh, the thing that you get addicted to. The feeling of sweat. You know, so many people ask me about my skin. And the only thing I keep saying is that, listen, A, a little bit is genetic. But B, I think a lot of it is the fact that I'm addicted to sweating. Because <laughs> your pores are so uh, clean, you know. You can tell a person who exercises and eats well. You can point that person from afar. And someone who's uh, dieting and not eating and uh, having exercise, anorexia or over-exercising, you can tell they'll always look sallow. They'll always have sunken eyes. They won't be radiant. But that person who's going to hit the right balance, will look fresh, will look young, will just be maybe not skinny, but really great. That's great advice. I'm <laughs> trying to follow it. So are you ready? Ready. Okay. What gets you up in the morning? My kids. The best piece of advice you've received so far? When I was struggling with my deciding what I wanted to do in my life, uh, my boyfriend, now husband, said, just do what you're passionate about. Forget it being conventional. What do you tell yourself on a day when you're down and out or low? Uh, four letter word it and it'll, the life will go on. <laughs> what is something that you're tired of just too much social media I think and that's more for me I 100% agree with you that is my answer too it's just for me you know I spend so much I, I waste so much time on social media I know what I'm doing like really there are times when I've sat in one position for one hour and I'm like what the hell just happened you know it's like a whirlpool it just sucks you in yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know how you feel. And that's what I want to fix. That's my personal goal. I want to be able to be very aware of my time that I'm spending on social media. And the last one is, 
what is the one habit and you can't use the one that you just said what is the one habit that you're still working on or you're still struggling with yeah okay this is a funny one my addiction to coffee at exactly 11 and between 11:30 and i don't understand why and that's the only one cup of coffee that i love and when no matter when i was pregnant or whatever or i'm sick or i have a bad stomach that coffee is non negotiable <laughs> and i don't understand what's the addiction so i'm still struggling with even trying to change the time by the way even the time change is not good it's it's an ocd it has to be that time perfect that was so much fun hope you enjoyed it as well i loved it i loved it Yeah, take care and uh, see you after all of this. If you after all of this, I know we'd love to meet you. By the way, yeah, done. Bye, okay. bye. Thank you. And with that, we come to an end of this episode. I hope Samaya's advice helps you lead a healthier twenty twenty one. You should check out her account on Instagram. She's at the rate Sumaya Dalmia and regularly posts videos and tips and tricks on fitness and health. You can also message her there in case you want to train under her directly or join one of her gyms. Next week, our season two finale will be out. We do have one or two bonus episodes after that for the season, but this season has been. a really really wonderful and emotional ride given that it started in 2020 and started during the pandemic so that you don't miss that episode or any future updates or episodes make sure to click on the subscribe button or the bell icon in case you like this episode please give us a heart you can find us on instagram where at the rate heart on my sleeve official or you can reach out to me directly i'm at the rate Mancha Kaur Anand on Instagram. See you next week. Please stay safe. The pandemic is still ongoing. Wear a mask wherever you go and maintain social distancing. And yeah, I'll see you next week. Bye. This Hub Hopper original ko sunne ke liye aapka shukriya. अगर आप भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करना चाहते हैं तो हब हॉपर स्टूडियो वेबसाइट पे रजिस्टर करें और एक मिनट के अंदर अंदर अपना खुद का पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करें यही नहीं स्टूडियो देता है आपको पूरी आजादी कहीं भी कभी भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करने की सिर्फ तीन आसान स्टेप्स में तो साथ में अपना पॉडकास्ट शुरू करने के लिए तैयार जस्ट हॉप ऑन हब हॉपर सिंपली कॉन्टेंट